Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good afternoon, everyone on the East Coast. Uh, this is Kennard speaking. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program, also those on the West Coast and in the Central Region of the United States. have a lot to talk about today. Uh, as I put on each and every program, and when I advertise it, that I will address major world events. And I'm sure, unless you've had your head in the sand, which, who knows, some of you may have, uh, you know that uh, Hurricane Sandy, or Superstorm Sandy, hit the east coast of the United States. It's causing all kind of problems, and I'm going to discuss uh, a little, talk about that today. And what we need to do as a nation to prevent this from occurring again, because uh, Yah or God tells us that He will not allow these things to continue on if we repent, if we change. And this is something that I sense, and the prophecies of the Bible agree with me, or Yah or God agrees with me, that people just don't want to change. They don't think they need to change. But that is part of the gospel. It says, repent, repent, because the kingdom of God is at hand. Uh, let me find that scripture because I, I don't think people really understand that that scripture is there or they ignore it or <laughs> I, I don't know what it is, but it says right here in Matthew chapter 3, verse 2, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's what um, the forerunner, uh, John the Baptist, Johannan the Immerser, preached. Repent. Repent. Repent means to change. Uh, it's to shuva in Hebrew, and it means to change your behavior. That means we all got things wrong with us and that we need to change. And in Matthew 4, verse 17, after John the Baptist, Jesus, it says in Matthew 4, verse 17, from the time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven, or God, is at hand. And then, Mark chapter 1, verse 15, he's saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye, and believe the gospel. So we all have to change. And if we don't change, and, and Mark chapter 6 states here, uh, Mark chapter 6, and this is what um, Yeshua stated, and this is right after he talked about a scripture I'm going to Oh, actually, it says right here in Matthew chapter 6, I'm sorry, Mark 6, verse 10. And he said unto them, In what place soever you enter into a house, there abide till you depart from that place. So he's instructing 
he's instructing rather his disciples his students about how to do ministry at that time and in verse 11 and whosoever shall not receive you nor hear you and i need to pay attention to this more myself <laughs> when you depart then shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them verily i say unto you it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Now, this is very serious, ladies and gentlemen. This is God speaking through Yeshua, stating, or Jesus, stating that you need to listen. When you hear a true servant of God preaching, you better pay attention. Because if you don't, what does he say? He states that, this will be a testimony against him. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah. And you know what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. So pay attention, people. Mark 6, verse 12. And they went out and preached that men should repent. Men, meaning women and men, should repent. Because if you learn anything out of this program today, I hope you learn it if you don't repent. And I'm going to explain that God is going to give everyone, every human being that has ever existed, including aborted babies, an opportunity to understand his law, his way of life. He's a fair God. He's not an unfair God. He's going to give everybody an opportunity to choose life. And you choose life by obeying the commandments. If you don't obey those commandments, you will not have life. Sure. Salvation is not earned. We understand that. But Yeshua came and died on the cross so that we can have an opportunity to obtain immortality. The way we obtain immortality is not sitting around doing nothing and saying, well, Jesus did it all for us, so I don't have to. No, that's not how you obtain immortality, folks. And I'm going to show you in the scriptures how you obtain immortality. We, none of us have immortality meaning that our bodies will decay. They will become corrupt. They are corrupt. And one day we will all die unless we repent. And, oh, we're all going to die, but I'm going to say permanently die. Unless we repent and acknowledge Jesus Christ or Yeshua Messiah as our Lord and Savior. And do it and prove it and prove that we believe him by what we do. And I'm going to explain all that today in this program. I probably am going to go over, but this program is very, very important. And I'm willing to spend three hours on here if I have to, to get this message out. Okay, so we all have to repent. We all have to repent of our sins. And Jeremiah 18, verse 7, and this is a prophecy, and it is a prophecy that applied back then is a prophecy that applies today. The assembly or church of God is based on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And that's the reason why I quote from the prophets. Jeremiah 18, verse 7. At what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up and to pull down and to destroy. Verse 8. If that nation against whom I have pronounced Turn from their evil. Here we go again. Turn. This means repent. You have to repent from your evil. I will repent or change of the evil that I thought to do unto them. Now, the opposite will occur, too. And this has been going on too long in this country and around the world. 
Verse 9, And at what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build and to plant it, if it do evil in my sight, that it obey not my voice, then I will repent of the good whereof I said I will benefit them. This applies to every single nation on this earth, not just the Jews. And I tell you right now, on the authority of this scripture, if, if this nation does not repent of trying to endorse homosexuality, which, by the way, calls God to say, that's it, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, then this nation will continue to have curses on top of curses on top of curses. The most profitable and wealthy city in the world, New York City, has been hit by two hurricanes already. Irene, they made fun of. I'm sure they didn't make fun of Superstorm Sandy. And the next one that comes, if this nation, if this country does not repent of its ridiculous trying to attach to homosexuality like that is something that God approves of, and he doesn't, then there's going to be more curses. I don't know if it's going to be hurricanes, but it's going to be more curses that's going to make you think Superstorm Standy was a little baby. And that's what God's word says. He increases the punishments. If you don't repent, he continues to to curse, to curse. Deuteronomy chapter 28, read it. That applies not only to the nation of Israel, but to all nations. The nation of Israel is supposed to be a light to the nations, an example. So if they're a light to the nations, obviously the other nations have to do what Israel does too. And again, for those who don't know who Israel is, is listening to me for the first time, you need to understand that Israel consists today, in the end times, of the United States, of the British Commonwealth of Nations, Canada, New Zealand, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, and the countries in Northwestern Europe. That is Israel today. And of course, anyone that believes in the King of Israel, who is Yeshua, Messiah, or Jesus Christ, becomes part of the Commonwealth of Israel. This is all explained in Ephesians chapter 2 as far as the Commonwealth of Israel is concerned. So, we need to understand who Israel is, and for you to understand that in detail, with proof, outside the Bible and the Bible, go to HebrewNations.com, HebrewNations.com, and also BritAm.org, www.britam.org. Yer Davidi lives in the old city of Jerusalem, and he is preaching the truth about who Israel is today. You need to get this information. Get his book if you want, but you don't really need to do that. Uh, you could all the information that you need to know is on the website. So let's let's understand that, and let's understand why the real reason why God allowed Superstorm Sandy. First of all, we know that on the East Coast, you have the state of New York and you have the state of Massachusetts trying to endorse and trying to eliminate or trying to influence elimination of the Defense of Marriage Act. That explains that marriage is between a man and a woman according to Matthew chapter 19. Let's let's go there here. Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19, starting in verse 3. 
the Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And that's what they did back then, and that was wrong. Verse 4 of Matthew chapter 19, And he answered and said unto them, I'm reading in the King James Version, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? He didn't make them male and male and female and female. Verse 5, And said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave or stick to his wife. So no doubt he's talking about marriage here. And they twain shall be one flesh. Verse 6 of Matthew chapter 19. Wherefore, they are no more twain, but one flesh. And what therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. And that's a prophecy, because that's what we're trying to do today. We're trying to destroy the institution of marriage. And if you look at Genesis chapter, I think it's 19, Genesis chapter 19, what caused God to finally destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? All right, let's read this here. Genesis chapter, and this is interesting because this is part of the Torah portion that the Jews traditionally teach. So it's not a surprise to me that he has allowed this stuff to happen to get our attention. So Matthew chapter 19. Starting in uh, verse 3, and he pressed upon them gently, and this is talking about Lot with the angels, and they turned unto him and entered into his house, and he made them a feast and did bake unleavened bread, which is interesting, and they did eat. Verse 4, but before they lay down, the men of, city, of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round about, old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said unto them, Where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. And that means, that word know means in a sexual way. Verse 6, and Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after them. And this is proof that it was sexual. You'll see this in a minute in the context of the scripture. Verse 7, and said, I pray you, brethren, do not do wickedly. Uh-oh, so they're going to do wickedly. Verse 8, behold now, I have two daughters which I have, which have not known man. So we know this is a sexual act. Just by that one statement, no matter how many people try to eisegesis this, put their own thoughts in the scripture and destroy uh, their understanding of it. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you, and do ye to them as is good in your own eyes, or your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing. So they wanted to do have sexual intercourse with these angels. For therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. Verse 9, and they said, stand back. They said, this one fellow came in the sojourn, and he will needs be a judge. Now we will deal worse with thee than with them. And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. Verse 10, but they were, they were so desperate, so full of lust, that they wanted to bust the door down to have sex with these angels, who looked like men. But the men put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house to them and shut the door. Verse 11, and they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. Verse 12, and the men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters and whatsoever thou hast in the city? Bring them out of this place. Verse 13, for we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. When God sees a society embracing homosexuality. That is the last straw. 
That is totally the last straw. Let's turn to Jude, the Lord's brother here, for a midrash or, or, or even going the deeper about what this event was about. Jude chapter 1. Jude chapter 1, verse 4. Actually, it's just one chapter. Jude 1, verse 4. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. And it's talking about the many ministries, these false Christian ministries in this country and around the world that's turning grace into lasciviousness. That you can go ahead and sin and do whatever you want because the blood of Christ wiped away your sins. And denying the, that's how you deny the Lord. You deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 5, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. Okay? So he's here he is, here we are talking about, and this whole Bible study today is about the great white throne judgment. Okay? So I'm reading it in the context of the title of this program. Verse 6, and the angels which kept not their first estate. What was their first estate? Heaven. Okay? But left their own habitation, heaven. He has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day, which is referring to uh, the judgment period in Revelation chapter 20, which I'm going to go over today. Verse 7, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like matter, in similar fashion, so it involves homosexuality, lust, and wrong sexual desires, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, which is angel flesh, and are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Okay? So this is an example. And what did Christ say in Luke chapter 17? Let's, let's turn to Luke chapter 17 about the end times, folks. This is all in the Bible. All in the Bible. Luke chapter 17, verse 20. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Verse 21. Neither shall they say, Lo, here or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you, meaning that you know he was present, and the fact that he's the initiator of the kingdom. That's what he was talking about there. Verse 22. And he said unto the disciples, The days will come when you shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you shall not see it. Verse 23. And they shall say to you, See here, or see there, go not after them, nor follow. Verse 24. For as the lightning that lights out of the one under heaven shineth unto the other under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. Verse 25. But first must he suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. That means the generation of the first century. Verse 26. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Now, verse 28, the days of Lot were similar to the days of Noah. Likewise, also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Verse 30. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Okay, so he's talking about his second coming, and I'm telling you right now in the authority of the Scriptures, if we continue on in this country or any place around the world, 
if we continue to say that it's okay to be gay, God is going to say, no, it's not okay to be gay, and he's going to show you how angry he is by weather disturbances or, or other curses upon the earth, ladies and gentlemen. And that's the truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. And I'm just warning you, I'm a voice. There's other voices, at least I hope they are, other voices out there warning people about what they need to do. And what you need to do is repent. That's a part of what the gospel is all about. Repent, repent, repent. If you don't repent, if you don't change, you won't be alive. You know, and if you want to shake your head about that, that's just too bad. I mean, that's in the Bible. And if you don't understand that, then you don't hardly understand anything about the Bible. Because uh, the Bible explains that you must obey him. We have a creator. And that creator wants to be obeyed. We understand this when we go to our jobs, and we, we understand that we must obey our boss and, and, and so forth, but we don't want to, for some reason, and I know what it is, it's the devil, uh, he, he, he just influences you not to want to obey his commandments. So, you know, right here in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 7, The Lord thy God will put all these curses upon thy enemies and on them that hate thee, which persecuted thee. Verse 8, And thou shalt return and obey the voice of the Lord and do all his commandments, which I command thee this day. Verse 9, And the Lord thy God will make thee plenteous in every work of thine hand and the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy cattle and the fruit of thy land for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over thee for good as he rejoiced over the fathers. Over thy fathers, verse 10. If thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in this book of the law, as I explained last week, the book of the law is the book of the law of Moses, and if thou turn unto the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, that means repent, verse 11, for this commandment which I command thee this day, it is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who shall go up for us heaven and bring it into us that we may hear and do it, Verse 13, neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us that we may hear and do it. Verse 14, but the word is very near unto thee. In your case, I'm speaking it right now on Blog Talk Radio. In thy mouth and in thy heart that you may do it. Verse 15, see, I have set before thee this day life and good, death and evil. Verse 16, in that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways. You've got to do something. You don't lay on your butt and do anything. And don't do nothing. That is not showing God that you believe him. To walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments that you may live. Don't, anyone ever tell, don't let anyone ever tell you that keeping the commandments will not result in you living. Because the Bible says that it does, folks. We understand that salvation has been bought and paid for. But people mix that up with saying, okay, well, I don't have to do anything because I already have salvation. Not according to the scriptures, you don't. You've got to obey those commandments. And he gives you the ability to keep the commandments once you make up your mind to want to do it. He gives you uh, help. I've explained that to you in the program you ought to listen to the program that I did on why did Jesus die. I explained that he gives you the ability, God gives you the ability to keep the commandments. If you just learn to give up, throw the white flag, stop rebelling, 
and to obey him. He gives you the ability to do it. Why would God tell you to do something if you can't, it can't be done? That, that's kind of stupid, isn't it? But God is not stupid, okay? And he's telling you to do something because you can do it, and he's going to give you the ability to do it. But anyway, Deuteronomy 30, verse 16, And that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land where you go to possess it. This applies not only to Israel, but to anybody around the world. Verse 17, But if your heart turn away, so that you will not hear, but shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, and then verse 18 of Deuteronomy chapter 30, I denounce unto you this day that you shall surely perish, and it does mean perish, folks. You won't live again. And you shall not prolong your days upon the land, whether thou pass over Jordan to possess it. Now, verse 19, please take this serious. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, dichotomy. That's what a dichotomy is, two, two opposites together, so that you can understand the difference. I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Life is blessing, death is cursing. Therefore, choose life that you that both thou and thy seed may live. And that's the gospel, folks. Repent, because the kingdom of God is at hand. You have to change if you want to live. If you don't change, you're not going to live. You're going to die. Okay? In verse 20, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cleave unto him. Of course, you're supposed to cleave to your wife when you get married, but you're supposed to, you better cleave to him more than your wife. And same thing with uh, uh, husbands, I mean wives uh, with their husbands, that you may cleave unto him, for he is thy life and the length of thy days, that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore unto thy fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Sure, that applies to Israel. But if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it applies to also people who believe in the king of Israel, which is Yeshua. If you believe in the king of Israel and obey a king, then you go by those king's laws. The king of Israel, Yeshua, goes by the laws he gave to Israel. So we have to also obey Israel's laws as well. That's only common sense, which, by the way, if you obey the commandments, let's look at Psalms chapter uh, 111, 111, it's, uh, and verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. So, and then in another translation it says, uh, You have common sense, basically. Uh, Psalm 111, verse 10, The first and foremost point of wisdom is the fear of Adonai. All those living by it gain good common sense. Okay? If you want common sense, folks, start obeying the commandments. Okay? If you start obeying the commandments, you'll start to get common sense. If you continue to rebel, you're not going to have common sense. You're not going to have common sense. Okay. I think I'm through venting. No, I'm not. Jeremiah chapter 23. Jeremiah chapter 23. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 28. Now, 
for people who think that God is always a nicey poo and he's so gentle and kind and he's never going to get angry and upset. Well, let me read you read you something here because people you don't you don't know God, okay? Just like when you disobey your parents, they get angry. He gets angry at you too when you don't obey him, okay? He's a lot more patient than our parents or, or than us as parents, but he still got feelings. What do you think we got feelings from? We got it from him. Uh, Jeremiah twenty three verse twenty eight. The prophet that have a dream, let him tell a dream, and he that have my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the shaft to the wheat, says the Lord. Verse 29, is not my word like a, as a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces. If you, if the only reason why you want to read the Bible is just to feel great and, oh man, I just feel so uh, like I'm in heaven and, and so forth. If you, if you don't get a conviction when you're reading the Bible, if you don't feel the, the motivation to want to change and to become a better person, you're not really studying the Bible and reading the Bible like you should, okay? Because, again, the message of the gospel is about life. Is about, it's not, it's, it's, that's the good news. Gospel means good news. It's about life, salvation. And we all got something wrong with us, with the exception of Yeshua, and we are Jesus, and we need to repent. We need to change. And when you read the words of God, it should be like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. It should be like fire, the fire that purifies and burns up all the wickedness inside of us. That's the way I preach. If you don't like that, you go listen to Bishop Jake or somebody else that's going to make you feel good. Okay? Uh, if I do make you feel good, I hope it's because you repent and you see that you need to start obeying the commandments and realizing that you'll be blessed if you do. But I am not going to sugarcoat things. I'm not going to make things sound so good and make you feel good. No, I'm going to preach the words of God. That's what all servants of God and prophets and, and teachers of God have done, and I'm going to continue in that tradition. Okay, so let's review, I hope quickly here, um, what has occurred here and why has occurred. And... This I found on watch.org. I don't know if he still has it up there, but it says six northeast states have legalized same-sex marriage and two vote on the issue November 6th. So, you know, the interesting thing that there's going to be another storm that's headed toward this same region that's not going to be as devastating as Superstorm Sandy. Well, right now it's not anyway, according to what they're saying, but who knows, because God controls the weather. So... He can do whatever he wants. But anyway, six northeast states, and I got this off of watch.org, have legalized same-sex marriage and two vote on the issue November 6th. Connecticut, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, New York, Vermont, the District of Columbia with Maryland and Maine voting November 6th on referendums on same-sex marriage. New Jersey offers civil unions granting rights similar to marriage. Pennsylvania state statute bans same-sex marriage. But New Jersey got really hit bad. Laws that would legalize same-sex marriage in Washington and Maryland were passed in 2012, but each would be subject to a referendum during the November 2012 elections, while Maine will also vote on a citizen's initiative to establish same-sex marriage. Same-sex marriage has been legalized through court rulings and legislative action, but not via popular vote. And I guarantee you it has not been legalized in heaven and the 
Supreme Court in heaven. It has not been legalized. So uh, th- this is terrible, folks, what's going on. I must read this to you. I doubt that hardly too many ministers are reading what I'm reading to you and alerting to you to this problem. So I have to do what I have to do. I, I certainly hope there are some ministers that are alerting you to this problem, this big problem that we have in this country. But before I read what uh, Mayor Bloomberg did uh, that is um, pretty interesting here, let me, because most people don't understand what the sins of Sodom are. They think it's just homosexuality. But let me read this to you, and I'm going to read to you also what the prophet Isaiah stated about Israel, which I explained to you we are a part of Israel. Ezekiel chapter 16. Ezekiel chapter 16. Verse 49. Read this in the complete Jewish Bible version for clarity's sake. The crimes of your sister Sodom were pride and gluttony. She and her daughters were careless and complacent and idle, so that they did not do anything to help the poor and the needy. Verse 50. They were arrogant and committed disgusting acts before me, so that when I saw it, I swept them away. So those disgusting acts, of course, the one act that did it, was the rampant attitude of homosexuality. All right, so let's understand that the sense of Sodom is not just that. It's also being lazy, being prideful, um, gluttony, just eat, 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 getting fat. And we're one of the fattest nations in the world right now, so much so that in the prophecies in Deuteronomy chapter 33, God calls the nations of Israel, the ten tribes of Israel, all the tribes, the twelve tribes of Israel scattered around the world, and I told you where they're at today. He calls us Jezreel, and we wax fat. And he repeated it again, we wax fat, because that's one of the characteristics that we have. We're a fat people. We eat, 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 eat. This is like when I was looking at CNN in preparation of this program, this very important program that I'm giving today. Uh, the people that needed help, they were fat. They were overweight. Even the policemen were overweight. We're just a fat nation. We just eat too much. We just eat too much. And we're spoiled, and we're careless, and we're complacent. And we certainly don't care for the poor and needy. Uh, the people that we don't, as a nation, we don't care about the poor and the needy like we should. We have 50 million people that are starving right now, as I'm speaking. And we have enough wealth to take care, like in New York City alone, all the trading, to take care of every all the world's needs 10 times over. So it's just ridiculous, and of course we're arrogant. And we do commit disgusting acts, right? As I'm speaking, I'm sure there's a pornography film right now being filmed in uh, Los Angeles or in Hollywood, California, or in Las Vegas or wherever they do it, okay? Uh, these horrendous acts, God is going to judge us for this, folks. We can't continue to think that God is just going to just wipe away all sins and, and not reward us for any uh, wicked deeds that, deeds that we do, okay? That, that's, he, he, he's not going to do that. And I don't know what minister has been preaching that to you, but you need to stop listening to that minister because they don't know what they're talking about. But anyway, um, I just wanted to explain that to you. And let's, this is the headline here on Watch.org. It says, New York Governor Cuomo and New York City Mayor Bloomberg push hard for gay marriage in New York. Mayor Bloomberg said in July, New York City had become a destination for same-sex weddings benefiting the economy. Let me underscore that again. Mayor Bloomberg said in July, New York City had become a destination 
for same-sex weddings benefiting the economy. You think God is not going to judge a nation for saying that? Oh, yes, he will. And then the headline here, Monday, October 22, or a city. In this case, it's a city, New York City, he judged. But he judged his nation, too, because New York City is interconnected with this entire nation. It's the most powerful city in this nation. Monday, October 22nd, New York City's mayor gives 500000 to gay marriage campaigns. I didn't know this. This is all coming to the forefront. Pledges additional $10 million to gay marriage campaigns. I mean, this is sick. No wonder God brought this superstorm Sandy to wake these people up, hopefully. New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg is poised to spend 500000 of his personal fortune on gay marriage campaigns in Maine, Minnesota, and Washington State, he said Monday, following, and this is October 22nd. On a major political spending push, the billionaire businessman turned politician announced last week. Bloomberg already had established himself as an outspoken and generous supporter of same-sex marriage. He unveiled a 250000 contribution to a Maryland gay marriage effort earlier this month and has backed four New York Republican senators who crossed party lines to vote for legalizing gay marriage in the state last year. Monday's move deepened Bloomberg's involvement in the issue outside New York and it reflected his vow to give at least $10 million by Election Day to moderate candidates and to ballot initiatives supporting gay marriage and other issues around the country. See, this is sad. This is the reason why he allowed this hurricane, folks. Uh, Tuesday, October 23rd, New York's highest court rejects same-sex marriage appeal. New York's highest court refused to hear a challenge to the state's same-sex marriage law after an appeals court ruled earlier this year that legislators didn't violate open meeting laws and passing the measure. Wednesday, October 24th, Bloomberg boosts Governor O'Malley in Maryland gay marriage fight. New York City Mayor Mike Bloomberg, who saw his state's governor and potential 2016 hopeful Andrew Cuomo get the lion's share of credit for a gay marriage bill in 2011 that Bloomberg pushed heavily for, lends a hand to another 2016 prospect, Governor Martin O'Malley of Maryland. Okay, so... I'm just reading this to you to, to help you to understand there's reasons why God does things, folks. God does not unleash this type of devastation unless it's for a pretty good reason, folks. And we, we have to understand that this is something that will be in the history books. And I really hope, and I know God is definitely hoping, that it wakes these people up to stop with the shenanigans of trying to push something that he totally, totally, God, I mean, does not approve of. And we, we need to repent of our foolishness. We need to repent of not thinking straight. And, and, and we need to, to stop all this, this foolishness here. In Isaiah chapter 45, verse 7, God states this, I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. So God did these things, folks. So don't be surprised. The reason why he's doing this is because he wants us to change. He wants us to repent. He wants us to learn righteousness. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 9. With my soul have I desired thee in the night. Yes, with my spirit within me will I seek thee early. For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. What is righteousness? Psalm 119, verse 172 is all of God's commandments. Psalm 58, verse 11. Psalm 58, verse 11. Psalm 58, verse 11. Oh, I had no clue that you were waiting on the phone. Let me go ahead and allow you to speak. I'm so sorry. I was just so into this. You're on the air. 
Next off. You're on the air. Next off. Okay, I guess they're off. All right, let me get back here. Um, to the program here. Um, Isaiah, okay, here I'm in Psalm 58, verse 11. Psalm 58, verse 11. So that a man shall say, Verily, there is a reward for the righteous. Verily, he is a God that judges in the earth. Okay, so in Psalm 58, verse 11, So that a man shall say, Verily, there is a reward for the righteous. Verily, he is a God that judges in the earth. So I'm quoting that scripture to help you understand that God judges, folks. He has to judge. He's a he's just not a God of mercy. He's a God of judgment, and people want to forget that. Uh, Revelation 19, verse 2. For true and righteous are his judgments, for he has judged the great horde. That's the great uh, geopolitical system of this world. Uh, false religion, false education, false everything which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, He's talking about spiritual fornication here in this context, and has avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. Psalm 148, verse 8. Psalm 148, verse 8. Fire and hail, snow and vapor, stormy wind fulfilling his words. So this stormy wind, this superstorm Sandy, fulfilled God's word as far as judgment. Nahum. Nahum 1, verse 3. For those who don't know who Nahum is, he was a prophet. Nahum 1, verse 3. The Lord is slow to anger. Yeah, he's merciful, folks. He's slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. Let me read this in another version here. Uh, Nahum 1, verse 3. Adonai, or the Lord, is slow to anger but great in power, and he does not leave the guilty unpunished. And you get people thinking that he does. <laughs> no, he does not. He is going to punish everybody who sins, folks. You're going to understand that today. Adonai's path is in the whirlwind, and in the storm, that's the hurricane, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. Malachi, chapter 2. I read this prophecy last week. I'm going to read it to you again. Malachi. Malachi, chapter 2. Starting verse 17. You have wearied Adonai of the, word, of the Lord. With your words, yet you ask, well, actually, I like this in the King James Version. Malachi 2, verse 7. You have wearied the Lord with your words, yet you say, where, when have we wearied him? When you say, everyone that does evil is good. Well, that's what the mayor, Bloomberg, and obviously it looks like the governor's involved in this, uh, thinking that gay is okay. So you're saying gay is okay, evil is good. Where you say, everyone that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delighteth in them, or where is the God of judgment? Okay, you want to see the God of judgment? Malachi 3, verse 1. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. That's a dual prophecy. It's going to be someone else coming before the second coming of Yeshua, or the Lord, Jesus. And the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in, Behold, he shall come, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 2, but who may abide the day of his coming, his second coming? 
not his first coming, and who shall stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. Okay? And he's going to come with fire, and that's what people don't seem to understand about Yeshua when he comes back. He's going to come with fire, folks, and he's going to judge. Let's turn. Let's find that out here. Let's understand that he's going to come with fire. Hold your place here, Isaiah chapter 66. Isaiah chapter 66. Verse 15. Isaiah 66, verse 15. For behold, the Lord will come with fire. He's going to come with fire, folks, and with his chariots like a whirlwind to render his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. Verse 16. For by fire and by his sword will the Lord plead with all flesh. All of mankind is going to plead with fire and with the sword. And the slain of the Lord shall be many. That's what your Bible says. I don't care about what your minister says. This is what the Bible says. And that's what you ought to care about, what the Bible says. You only care about what your minister says if he says the things that is in the Bible. And you can prove it. Anyway, Malachi 3, verse 3. And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he shall purify the sons of Levi, or Levi, and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness, so the offerings will be reinstituted again. Verse 4. Despite what ministers have taught you. Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord as in the days of old, as in the former years. And this is the verse I wanted to get to in light of what has happened. And I will come near to you to judgment, and I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against false swearers, and against those that oppress the hiring and his wages, the widow, the fatherless, and that turn, and them that turn aside the stranger from his right, and fear not me, says the Lord of hosts. You don't fear God if you don't care about your neighbor. You don't fear God if you don't care about the widow. You don't fear God if you don't care about the fatherless. And you certainly don't fear God if you don't care about the stranger. As I was sitting and, and looking at CNN, this is one blind one. This woman is blind. She's blind. And with her dog that's helping her to, to get around, she's going around, not getting paid, and helping people in the New York area by feeding them. She's a blind woman, and I was to tell you right now, she's not blind at all spiritually. And she is definitely, with those acts, won't have a problem being in God's kingdom. And I prayed that her name is Mary, and I prayed that God would immediately allow her to see again. Because I think that would be a just reward for her showing what righteousness is all about. And that's what that scripture means in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 9. That when the judgments on earth, that's when people will learn righteousness. That's when people will learn when you have your house destroyed and have everything else destroyed. What 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 counts in life? What 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 really counts in life? God. That's what counts. And people think today that uh, that what you have uh, is is uh, they they think that life consists in the things that you possess. And I'm trying to find the scripture here that. Uh, it's in Luke chapter 12 here. Because your life does not consist of the things that you possess. And yet, especially in this country, we think that's the case. We really think that that God cares about what we got. <laughs> no, he doesn't, folks. I mean, he cares about what you have in reference to you using those things to help people. That's what he cares about. But he doesn't care. He's not going to use that 
uh, we're not going to be able to enter the kingdom of God based on what we have, folks. Uh, we're going to have to to understand that that He's going to judge us based on our character and how we treat people, not about how much money we have. So that that's the thing that we have to understand uh, totally there that He's going to judge us based on our behavior. So in Luke 12 verse 15 it says, and He said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consists not in the abundance of things which he possesses. And then he begins to uh, talk about a parable here that is really something that many Americans, particularly the rich ones, need to understand. The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. Verse 17, And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? Verse 18, he said, This is what I will do. Instead of thinking about sharing with others, this is what he thought. This is what I'll do. I will pull down my bars and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. The people, the greedy people that trade, not all of them are greedy, but a lot of them are, are on Wall Street, they do the same thing that this man does. Okay? Uh, they don't have barns, but the barns today would be bank accounts. They open up other bank accounts instead of thinking about helping the poor. Verse 18, and he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will, will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. Verse 19, and I will say to my soul, so thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Verse 20, but God said unto him, thou fool. And I'm not calling him a fool. God calls you a fool if you act this way. This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall these things be? which thou hast provided. Verse 21, So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. You're rich toward God by helping people, folks. That's how you're truly rich. That's how you're truly rich. God commands rich people to do the following. In First Timothy, and, these, and most rich people in this world have failed to obey this commandment. It says right here, in First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, which many of them do, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Verse 18, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, not being stingy. Verse 19, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold unto eternal life. Rich people, that's the reason why he stated in Matthew chapter 19, it's very difficult for you to enter the kingdom of God because you worship money. He says it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God because you depend too much on money. And God says for you to repent of that wicked attitude and start sharing. And that's the reason why he allows these things to happen in the richest area of the world. New York City, to wake rich people up, to start caring about other people. They had this stupid marathon that they have every year. And, and, and they act really sad because the marathon was canceled. Well, they had all these generators that they could have used to help other people, and yet they were using it to, to, to help these runners. It didn't make any sense. People's minds are on themselves. They're not on sharing and caring and doing what they need to do to their fellow man. Loving your neighbor as yourself. That's a summation of all the commandments. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. 
Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knows us not, because it knew him not. The majority of the world does not know the God that I preach to you right now, folks. Verse 2. Behold, now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Verse 3. And every man that has this hope in him purify himself, even as he is pure. That's how you purify yourself, knowing that you will be like him when he appears. Verse 4, whoever commits sin, if you're wondering what sin is, whoever commits sin transgresses also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. Verse 5, and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. Talking about the Messiah, Jesus. He was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin, so if we want to be like him, we won't have no sin either. Verse 6, whosoever abides in him sins not. Whosoever sinneth have not seen him, neither knows him. In other words, people, not, not people that occasionally sin, people that just sin all the time and don't care about it, don't know him. Verse 7, 1 John 3, verse 7, Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous even as he is righteous. Verse 8, he that commits sin is of the devil. For the devil sins from the beginning. That's what makes you a child of God. If you sin and you keep on sinning, you are a child of the devil. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Verse 9. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin. That means being born as a spirit being, as I'm going to explain to you today. If you're born as a spirit being, you will not commit sin. It's impossible for you to sin. For his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Verse 10. And this the children of God are manifested, and the children of the devil. Whosoever does not righteousness, or does not keep the commandments, that's what righteousness is, Psalm 119, verse 172, is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. Verse 11, for this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. That's what New Yorkers are learning to do, hopefully, and New Jerseyans, and those on the East Coast, and people around the world and in this country, based on this event. Verse 12, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother, and what did he say? It's, it, am I my brother's keeper? And, and the word keeper in Hebrew means protector. Yes, we are. We are all our brother's keeper. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil. Why did he slay him? Because his own works were evil and his brothers were righteous. He was envious and jealous of him. Verse 13, marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. Now, I know the world's going to hate what I say because the majority of the world don't keep the commandments. And they don't want to hear that. Verse 14, we know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abides in death. Verse 15, whosoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer have eternal life abiding in him. And that's what um, people that get deceived by that Revelation 22, verse 15. Deceived means tricked or you, or you don't fully understand. Revelation 22, verse 15, where it says murderers will be in the kingdom. This one scripture states, in verse 15, whosoever hate of his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer have eternal life abiding in him. There's no, no murderer is going to exist in the kingdom of God, folks. This scripture proves that, and there's other scriptures that proves that as well. So we have to take all the scriptures together and understand uh, that when it says for without, and that's what it says uh, in the King James Version, for without, 
or, or and it really means away, are dolls and sources and whoremongers and murderers. And it states there that these people will not have eternal life. So without must mean something else, just based on that. But anyway, and you know, it, the scriptures are, can be difficult if you don't look at all the scriptures based on the subject that you're studying. You have to look at all of them. You just can't just look at one. In a lot of cases, you just can't look at one scripture to be able to determine or understand a particular teaching. But anyway, verse 14, verse 15, verse 16. Hereby I perceive we love the love of God because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. And I did hear of heroic stories of policemen laying down their life for other people. That's the ultimate uh, example of love when you do that. Verse 17, but whoever have this world's good and sees his brother or a fellow human being have need and shut up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? It's impossible for God's love to be in you if you don't care about people. It's impossible. Verse 18, my little children, let us not love in word, and there's too much of that, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. What is truth? Psalm 119, verse 142, that's all the doctrines. All the teachings and doctrines of God. Okay, that's what that is. Now, let's understand the difference between the, the children of the devil and the children of God. John chapter 8. John chapter 8. John chapter 8. And I'm going to go over today, so um, I'll let you know when I go over. And uh, you have to listen to this in its entirety, but I will get this Bible. Usually I don't go this long, but it's a lot of scriptures that I have to cover, important scriptures, to help you understand, to give you a peace of mind about the great white throne judgment. And I know many ministers have preached that this great white throne judgment period is a judgment of damnation, and it's not. And God is a fair God, as you're going to see today. John chapter 8, verse 43. Why do you not understand my speech, even because you cannot hear my word? And people that can't hear the words of God and can't understand what I'm speaking or some other true minister of God speaking, it's because of this. Verse 44, you are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, from the beginning of the creation, obviously, and abode not in the truth, but there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar, and he is the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you don't believe me. And I can definitely relate to what he's saying there, because I get the same thing. When I speak the truth, people get upset at me. But the Bible says that a true servant of God speaks the truth. Verse 46, which of you convinces me of sin? And I say the truth, why do you not believe me? Verse 47, he that is of God hears God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because you are not of God. If you don't hear God's words, you don't want to hear them, it disgusts you to be a child of the devil, according to the scriptures. Plain and simple as that. John, chapter 1. So that's the Bible definition of a child of the devil. John, chapter 1, verse 29. The next day, John see of Jesus coming unto him and says, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. That really explains the whole purpose of the Messiah. To take away the sins of the world. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. Hebrews 1, chapter 3. I mean, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had him, 
by himself, purged our sins. That's the purpose of the Messiah coming, to purge our sins, and is also, as I explain in my programs, you should listen to, uh, why did Jesus die? He died also to give us the Holy Spirit so that we can obey the commandments. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. So he purged our sins, and he gave us the ability, if we want to obey, to obey the commandments. Because uh, in Acts chapter 5, Acts chapter 5, it states this. Acts chapter 5, verse 32. And we are his witness of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to them that obey him. So if you don't want to obey him, he's not going to give you the ability to obey him, folks. That's why it's important to obey him. Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. The devil is going to be destroyed, folks, because he sins. And he's the originator of it, so he's going to be destroyed. Now, let's get into the great white throne judgment. All people, including infants and people that were too young to understand God or retarded or whatever reason that they didn't understand uh, God's teachings, will have an opportunity to understand and obey his laws. For proof of this, let's turn to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. Starting in verse 22. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. And this is symbolic of our society today. Um, many of our thoughts and, and how we think is from Roman and Greek of wisdom and knowledge. So this is somewhat of a prophecy. Acts 17, verse 22. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive, and he was in Greece, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious, verse 23, for as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him Declare I unto you, and many people ignorantly worship the true God today. Verse 24. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worship with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to, to all life and breath and all things. Verse 26. And have made of one blood all nations of men, for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and have determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. Verse 27, that they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. Verse 28, for in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. So we are all, really God desires us all to be his children. But if, if he is opening your mind to understand his truth and you don't want to understand it or don't want to obey it when you have the capability, then you are a child of the devil. Verse 29, for as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone graven by art and man's device. And here's the key verse, verse 30. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commands all men, everyone, all of mankind everywhere to repent. And this started in the first century, folks. And why? 
verse 31, because he has appointed a day that we're going to talk about today, in which he will judge the world in righteousness by by the commandments, by that man whom he has ordained, whereof he has given assurance unto all men, and that he has raised him from the dead. So let's understand. I want you to understand verse 30. And the times of this ignorance God winked at. So prior to the first century, God winked at this ignorance. He didn't pay attention to it. Okay? Uh, wink means he overlooked it. That's what it means in the original Greek. He overlooked this ignorance. So up until the first century, he overlooked all the ignorance of mankind in regards to not understanding him. So what do you think he's going to do with those people that did not understand him, that were ignorant of him, didn't know that, that did not know the true God? Is he going to toss them in the lake of fire? Of course not. He's going to give them an opportunity, and we're going to understand that here today. So this is a significant scripture to understand that that he is going to give other people that did not know him, which is a vast majority of mankind, an opportunity to know him. He's a fair God, and I'm going to, I'm going to explain it to you today. In Matthew chapter 9, Matthew chapter 9, verse 13. Matthew chapter 9, verse 13. But go... Ye, and learn what meaneth I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So that's one of the reasons also the Messiah came, to call sinners to change. And the Bible says we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we all have to change. And that's one of the reasons why the Messiah came, for us to change, not to change for us. Okay? Second uh, Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering. He's patient to us, not willing that any should perish. He doesn't want anybody to perish, folks. And perish means perish. It means to be destroyed, literally. But that all should come to repentance. That's his desire. He wants everyone to come to repentance. Verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also, and the works therein shall be burned up. This world is going to be burnt up and purified, folks. Verse 11, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, all the things of this world is going to be dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye be in all holy conversation and godliness? Verse 12 looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Verse 13, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth where dwells righteousness. So despite what people think, they put their thoughts into the scripture, it means what it says. It means that there will be a new heavens and a new earth, where dwells righteousness. Righteousness in Psalm 119, verse 172, is keeping the commandments. Everyone on the earth, on the new heavens and the new earth, will be keeping the commandments. Anyone that's not going to keep the commandments will no longer be alive. They will be dead. They will have been uh, eliminated. They will perish. James, chapter 4, verse 17. James, chapter 4, verse 17. 
James 4, verse 17. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and does it not, to him it is sin. So only those that understand what sin is, they understand that they must keep the law. And they do the best they can to keep the law. That's when it's sin. And this, this can be, whether or not you learn adultery, that the adultery is wrong out of the Bible or from someone else, you know that it's wrong. And if you commit that sin, if, 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 you, if you don't stop committing adultery and you know it's wrong, then it's sin to you, according to the Scripture. But if you don't know it's wrong, then it's not. But most people know that adultery is sin, <laughs> and you will be judged for that knowledge, as I'm going to show you. John chapter 9, John chapter 9, beginning in verse 39. And Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which see not might see. So he's talking about people that are spiritually blind, that don't know the laws of God. That's the reason why he came, to help you to see, to help you to understand that you must keep the commandments, just like he did. And that they which see might be made blind. These are people that arrogantly think that they know everything and and they just are pretenders. They know the law of God, but yet they want to play religion and they don't want to do what they're supposed to do. Those are the people that are in danger. Verse 40, John 9, verse 40. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words, and they said unto him, Are we blind also? Verse 41. And play, please pay attention to this. This is a very significant scripture, John 9, verse 41. Jesus said unto them, If you were blind, you should have no sin. So what he's saying is people that don't know any brother don't know that they're sinning. They don't, they don't have any sin. But now you say we see, therefore your sin remains. Okay, so... You need to study that scripture because it, it kind of reveals that God is going to judge fairly and righteously. And he's going to, for those people who have never been taught certain things that they're doing uh, that are wrong and are not aware that it's wrong, he does not count that as sin. And that you have scriptures to back that up. Uh, Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, to continue on with this, verse 47. And that servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many. So these are people that knew better. They knew the Lord's will, like myself, and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many. So if I turn away um, and, and, and do wickedness, then I, I'm, I'm going to perish. I know that. <laughs> Verse 48. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes, shall be beaten with few stripes. And that word few in the Greek means puny. So they're not going to hardly suffer at all. That's what he's saying. For people that uh, did commit things worthy of stripes, but didn't know what they were doing, shall be beaten with puny or puny stripes. So very, very, you know, not, not that much, hardly at all. For unto whomsoever much is given of him, shall be much required, and to whom men have committed much of him, they will ask the more. And, and to help you understand that, if someone grew in, in t grew up in a family that practices or practice um, prostitution, and they were never told that that was wrong, and they just thought that was the right thing to do, they're going to suffer because of them sinning, but God's not going to hold that against them because 
they don't know, they're not aware that it's wrong to do. Like, I didn't know that it was wrong to have sex outside of marriage until I got to be 18 or 19 years old. I wasn't even taught that. I went to a Catholic school, and I didn't I didn't understand that having sex before marriage, you would think that the Catholic Church, and I think they do teach that, but for some reason I didn't understand until 18 or 19 years old that it was wrong to have sex before marriage. Of course, when I finally understood that, then it became sin when I did it. Okay, so that's a personal example there. And there's many people that are doing things right now, and they're not aware that it's sin. And God's not going to hold that against them because they were not taught that what they're doing is wrong. Okay, Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, verse 27. Luke chapter 11, verse 27. And it came to pass as he spake these things, a certain woman of the company lifted up her voice and said unto him, Blessed is the womb that bare thee, and the paps which thou hast sucked. Verse 28. And the paps mean uh, breast. In other words, it's mom's breast. Uh, Mary's, or Miriam's breast. Luke 11, verse 28. But he said, Ye rather blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. Okay, so this is in the context of Sodom and Gomorrah, ladies and gentlemen. So listen to this, okay? Luke 11, verse 28. But he said... Yes, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. That's when you're blessed, folks. Verse 29, and when the people were gathered thick together and began to say, this is, and when the people were gathered thick together and began to say, I'm sorry, Luke 11, verse 29, and when the people were gathered thick together, he began to say, he began to say, this is an evil generation. So he was talking about his generation back then was an evil generation. They seek a sign, as Jews do. You know, they, they want to seek a sign. They want a sign. And there shall be no sign be given it but the sign of Jonas the prophet. And that goes into uh, understanding when he was resurrected. That's another Bible study. Luke 11, verse 30. For as Jonas was a sign unto the Ninevites. Now remember, if you read the book of Jonah, the Ninevites repented. They repented. They changed. So shall also the Son of Man be to this generation. Verse 31, the Queen of the South shall rise up in the judgment. And the judgment it is talking about, folks, is the great white throne judgment that we're discussing now. The Queen of the South shall rise up in the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. So this, this is proof that this is definitely the great white throne judgment because the people of that generation, the, the wicked people, definitely would not participate in the first resurrection, which I'll discuss in Revelation chapter 20 today. The queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them, for she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, a greater than Solomon is here. Verse 32. Uh, the fact that they're going to be resurrected with the wicked generation proves that they, uh, uh, the queen of the south is not a part of the first fruit resurrection. Anyway, verse 32, the men of Nineveh shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. And this is proof that the, the people of Nineveh were not part of the first fruits because uh, they're going to be resurrected at the same time of the, the wicked people in this generation. And it says right here, the men of Nineveh shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonas, and behold, a greater than Jonas is here. All right, so I'm reading that scripture to help you to understand that there's going to be a resurrection of people 
of, of wicked people that are going to be judged and condemned and thrown in a lake of fire, but also is going to be many people that are going to be resurrected like the, Nineveh, uh, the people of Nineveh that repented and like uh, Queen Sheba that did not keep all the commandments. And they will be judged and they will be judged and given an opportunity to enter the kingdom of God. All right, uh, Romans chapter 2, starting in verse 4. This is a very important scripture here. Got 13 minutes left, and um, I'm, I'm going to go over here. And so when I get cut off, um, and I estimate it probably, I'll, I'll be talking on a recording for about 30 minutes to 45 minutes. Uh, check again at, uh, let's see, about 5 o'clock. And you should be able to listen to the entire program in, in its entirety. Okay. Where am I at now? Uh, Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. Starting in verse um, 4. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads thee to repentance. So, again, it's all God. God even leads you to repent and to change, folks. But the one thing that God is not going to do, he's not going to force you to want to do it. You have to have the desire to want to change, and you have to make up that decision. Each and every human being is going to have to make that, make that decision if they want to live. Romans 2, verse 5, But after thy hardness and, and, and penitent heart treasure... Let me read this in a different version here. Complete Jewish Bible version here. Or perhaps you despise the richness of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, Romans 2, verse 4, because you don't realize that God's kindness is intended to lead you to turn from your sins. Turn from your sins means to repent. Verse 5, but by your stubbornness, by your unrepentant heart, you are storing up anger for yourself on the day of anger when God's righteous judgments will be revealed. So he's saying if you don't want to repent after God has given you the ability to repent, then it's bad news for you and for anyone else. Verse 6. For he will pay back each one according to his deeds. That's the reason why we got to do something, folks. You can't sit on the sidelines and do nothing. Verse 7, to those who seek glory, honor, and immortality by perseverance and doing good. That's how we seek immortality, by doing good. Hold your place here and turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Verse 166. And this is in the complete Jewish, but I hope for your deliverance, Adonai, I obey your mitzvah. But in the King James Version, it states, Lord, I have hoped for thy salvation and done thy commandments. So you're hoping for salvation, folks, when you do obey the commandments. In Psalm 119, verse 166, Lord, I have hoped for thy salvation and done thy commandments. Again, I'm going to repeat it. In the King James Version, Psalm 119, verse 166, Psalm 119, verse 166, Lord, I have hoped for thy salvation and done thy commandments. That's how you hope for salvation, folks, by doing the commandments. And that's the scriptures. Romans chapter 2. All right, so... In verse 8 of Romans chapter 2, But to those who are self-seeking, who disobey the truth. What's the truth again? The truth is all the teachings of God in Psalm 119, verse 142. And obey evil, 
See, that's that's what I I, I taught my son. I said, hey, <laughs> when you sin, you're obeying evil. But when you do good, you're obeying God. So whatever you do, whatever decision you make, you're obeying somebody. You're either obeying God or you're obeying the devil because he is evil. He's the epitome of evil. Romans 2, verse 8, But to those who are self-seeking, who disobey the truth and obey evil, he will pay back wrath and anger. Verse 9, Yes, he will pay back misery and anguish to every human being who does evil, to the Jew first, then to the Gentile. In verse 10, But glory and honor and shalom or peace to everyone who keeps doing what is good, to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. Verse 11, For God does not show favoritism. Verse 12, all who have sinned outside the framework of Torah, let me go back and read this in the, in the King James Version here. Romans 2, verse 12, for as many as have sinned without law, Torah means law, that's the teachings and doctrines and laws of God, shall also perish without the law. So what he's saying here is, is if you have sinned without the knowledge of the law, you will also perish without the law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. So, again, God is fair. He's only going to judge you for what you know. He's going to judge you based on the amount of good things that you've done. That's what he's going to do. And it has to pan out that you've done more good things than bad things. That you are, because, you know, there's a scripture that says that, uh, let me see if I can find, hold your place here in Romans 2, verse 12. And First Peter four verse eighteen it states, "And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear?" So it's saying that even the righteous, righteous people are those who keep the commandments to the best of their ability. They're going to be scarcely saved. That's what your scriptures say in First Peter four verse eighteen. So getting back to Romans two verse twelve, for as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without the law. In other words. If you sin without the knowledge of God's law, but you still sin because you had knowledge of it, and he's going to explain this here in a minute, how that's possible. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. Verse 13, for not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. Now, the explanation of Romans 2, verse 12, when he, when he says, for as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without the law. Here's the interpretation. Romans 2, verse 14. For when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, these, having not the law, are law unto themselves. Let me explain that. Some people don't understand that it's wrong to abuse someone. Okay? They have been taught that it's okay to slap children and to uh, say bad things to them and, and just to discourage them. Well, the scriptures state plainly you shouldn't do that in Ephesians 6, uh, verse 4. Fathers, don't discourage, don't provoke your children to wrath. All right? But many fathers today, uh, a significant amount of them anyway, think that that's okay, that, that you should uh, provoke your children to anger, that you have a right to do that. Well, the scriptures say that you shouldn't do that. Well, again, as I explained to you, that if you don't know that that's sin, is not sin. You won't be judged for that. However, if you learn through going to a psychiatrist or some social worker that that is wrong and they had documentation that was wrong, and she didn't show you the Bible, but she just showed you proof, that the fact that it's wrong to abuse 
uh, children and provoked them to anger. And you had proof from this person, uh, verifiable proof that it was uh, wrong, and you didn't want to believe it, then you're going to be judged without the law. In other words, you didn't know that that was in the Bible, but you learned that from some other source. So you're still going to be judged by what you know. Okay? Verse 14, for when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature, and that's an example by nature, the things contained in the law, and God has given us a sense of right from wrong, folks. He really has given us that, and we learn that from our parents, and we learn that from what we see. I think people th know that it's wrong to try to eat a fork, okay? Uh, I mean, that's common sense. God has given us some common sense, and he's going to judge us by that, okay? Uh, for when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law, all law unto themselves. Verse 15 which show the work of the law written in their hearts, as I just explained, he's given us a sense of right from wrong, uh, a general sense of right from wrong. Their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts demean while accusing or else excusing one another. Okay? Uh, let me read this in a, another easier version here. Um, it says, For their lives show that the conduct, the Torah, or the teachings and doctrines of God dictates, is written in their hearts. Their consciousness also bear witness to this, for their conflicting thoughts sometimes accuse them and sometimes defend them. Okay, and back in the King James Version again, Romans 2, verse 16, In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Okay? So, let's understand that. I, wanted, I needed to explain that to you because many people don't understand that. And I've heard people say, well, what about my, my parents? Uh, they, they haven't been taught... Keep, to keep the Sabbath and the holy days. They haven't been taught those things. Are God, is God going to toss them in the lake of fire? No, he's not. He's going to judge them based on what they already understand, what is right and what is wrong. That's what he's going to do, and the scriptures I quoted to you proves that. Okay, Revelation chapter 22, verse 12. Revelation chapter 22, verse 12. And behold, I come quickly... And my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. That's the reason why we have to do something, because he's going to reward us based on what we do, folks. John, chapter 5, verse 28. John, chapter 5, verse 28. John, chapter 5, verse 28. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice. So every person that's died is going to hear the voice of Jesus Christ. Verse 29, and shall come forth, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. All right? So there's really two types of resurrections here. Um, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. All right? So either you're going to be resurrected and you're going to be judged and you'll have an opportunity uh, to prove to God that you believe him by what you do and, and how you obey him, and you'll be rewarded eternal life. You'll be able to enter the kingdom of God as a spirit being, or you refuse it after being given, given a, a fair and just chance to understand the law, uh, you will be destroyed, as, as I'm going to um, explain to you here. Okay, uh, Daniel chapter 12, 
Daniel chapter 12, starting in verse 2. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. You get some people trying to tell me, well, uh, I don't think God is going to totally destroy some people. What, what, is, what does the Bible say here? Okay, we've got to go by what the scriptures say. And it states here, and, God, and Daniel's a prophet, and I think God knows better than us what's going to happen to some people. Daniel 12, verse 2, And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Verse 3, And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. So this scripture reveals a lot. It reveals that there's going to be two types of resurrections primarily. Uh, uh, I know the, the resurrection of the, of, of the righteous is going to be um, a first fruit resurrection, but there's also going to be a resurrection of all those people, as I, as I told you, that uh, did not understand the laws of God, and um, will be given an opportunity to understand that they should keep the Sabbath, that they should keep the holy days, that they should keep all the other commandments of God. They will be given an opportunity, and many of those people will be judged righteous, and they will be able to enter the kingdom of God, as I'm going to show you. I have about 22 or 21 seconds left here. Uh, I'm going to be um, cut off here, but I'm still going to continue this Bible study and it will be recorded, and I implore you and I recommend that you listen to this program at around 5 or 5.30. It should be completed. Okay, now I'm on the recording, so I'm going to continue on here and, and get this Bible study completed here. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10 states this. But we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So every human being that has ever lived will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he has done, whether it's good or bad. All right, so, and then verse 11, knowing that therefore the terror of the Lord, we forsake men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your conscience. You see, people don't understand that your life is at stake if you don't obey him. And this word terror, it says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, alarm or fear. <laughs> we, persuade, we persuade men. All right? So let's understand. He's serious here. We've got to choose life. We can't keep on going around sinning, folks. He doesn't like that. First Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 21. For since by man came death, by man also the resurrection of the dead. So you have a dichotomy situation. Put Adam on one side and put Jesus on the other. And Adam represents death. Jesus represents life, the resurrection of the dead. Verse 22. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Okay, but every man in his own order, and I'm going to quote Ezekiel chapter 37 to help you understand the resurrection of uh, the rest of mankind. Verse 23, but every man in his own order, Christ of firstfruits. Okay, the firstfruits are those, myself and other people, that are being trained to be able to rule with Yeshua in the kingdom of God. 
and this is revealed in the scriptures, and I'm going to show you in Revelation chapter 20. The first fruits are those who will rule with Christ. Then afterward, they that are Christ at his coming. That means after he comes, those that uh, through their their uh, behavior and their obedience show that they are Christ at his coming. Okay, verse 24. Then comes the end when he shall have delivered the kingdom of God, even the... Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Verse 24, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. Verse 25, for he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. Verse 26, the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. And the scripture means what it says, folks, death. Verse 27, for he has put all things under his feet. It means the Father has put all things under the Son's feet. But when he says all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. In other words, Yeshua doesn't rule over the Father. The Father rules over him. Verse 28, and when, he, and when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, so that God may be all in all. That is the overall goal of mankind, for God to be to dwell in all of us, and we all become one big God family with the Father ruling over us and the Son ruling over all of us. That's the picture that he has. So let's turn to Revelation chapter 20 now, because many people don't understand this, this chapter here, and it's pretty clear to me. So let me try to explain it to you. Revelation 20, verse 1. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. Verse 2. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. So when Yeshua comes back, he's going to have an angel get a hold of the devil and put him away for a thousand years. Verse 3. And the reason why he's doing that, because the devil is very good at getting people to sin. So he's going to take the problem away. Verse 3. And cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more. And that's what he does for a living. He deceives and tricks the nations. Till the thousand years should be fulfilled, and after that he must be loosed a little season. Now, verse 4. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received, his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Verse 5. But the rest of the dead, which will be a part of the great right throne judgment, lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Verse 6. Blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection. On such the second death has no power. In other words, you're not going to live again. It has no power, no life, no power. Greek uh, in the Greek it means uh, force, no force, nothing. Okay, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with Him a thousand years. And these are people that knew God's will and they obeyed God's will and kept the commandments. They will be rewarded uh, with ruling with Him a thousand years, and, and they will be given a throne, and, and they will be given responsibilities, ruling over cities, countries, etc. Verse 7. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. Verse 8. 
and he shall go out to deceive the nations again. This is after the thousand years, which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and and the beloved city. And that's Jerusalem, obviously. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them or destroyed them all. So he just totally destroyed them all. Verse 10, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are. Well, actually that word are was added. It shouldn't be added there, and that's a bad addition. It's just where the feast and beast and false prophet were because they're destroyed and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. That word forever and ever means to the ages of the ages until the um, the world that we live in is purified and passed away. Verse 11, And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it. Now this is the great white throne judgment, so pay attention to this. From whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. So let's pay attention to this verse here. It says, and the books were open. Those books were the books of the law, and they will be judged by the, the law of liberty, which is the law of Moses, which I explained last week in the program, is the, the law of Moses nailed to the cross. And the books were open. Matter of fact, the word books in the Greek means uh, a scroll, a writing, biblia. That's what it means. And another book was open, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. So these people will be judged according to their deeds. All right? Uh, and hold your place here. I'm going to turn to Ezekiel chapter... Ezekiel. Ezekiel, chapter 37. The hand of the Lord was upon me, verse 1, and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones, verse 2, and caused me to pass by them around about, and behold, there was very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry, verse 3. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Verse 4. And again he said unto me, Prophesy unto these bones and say it to them. In other words, this is a future prophecy of something that's going to occur in the future. And say unto them, O you dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Verse 5. Thus says the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, says it. Uh, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Verse 7, So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to bone, bone to his bone. Verse 8, And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. And verse 9, And he said unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. Verse 10, So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came unto them, and they lived, and stood up upon their feet an exceeding great army. Verse 11, Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, Our bones are dried, and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, 
Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I, the Lord, when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves, verse 14, and shall put my spirit in you, and you shall live. And I shall place you in your land, and you shall know that I, the Lord, has spoken and performed it, says the Lord. So this is a type. It's going to happen in the nation of Israel, but it's going to happen to everyone. Everyone's going to be resurrected like this. So I just wanted to quote that scripture to you if you weren't familiar with it. So Revelation chapter 20. Back to Revelation chapter 20. And verse 13. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And verse 14. And death and hell was cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Verse 15. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So that scripture tells you there's going to be some people that's going to be written in the book of life. Why does it say, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life? So obviously, in this resurrection, there's going to be some people that are found written in the book of life based on their deeds, and they were judged to be righteous, most of them, their deeds, rather than wicked. And they're going to be judged righteously. Now, Isaiah chapter 65. Isaiah chapter 65. starting in verse um, 23. They shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth for trouble, for they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. Verse 24, And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer, and while they are yet speaking, I will hear. And it says, The wolf and the lamb shall feed them together, and the lion shall not shall eat straw like the bullock and the dust be the serpent's meat, and they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mind. I was looking for another. Oh, here we go. Isaiah chapter 65. Oh, I typed this wrong, it looks like, unfortunately. Verse 17, I'm sorry. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. Verse 18. But be ye glad that the process of him starting or creating a new heavens and a new earth will, will begin uh, when Yeshua lands his feet on the Mount of Olives uh, and when the thousand years begin with the rule of the saints and the Satan being uh, taken away and tossed into the bottomless pit. But anyway, verse 18. But be ye glad and rejoice for forever, which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing and her people a joy. Verse 19. And I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people, and the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her, nor the voice of crying. Verse 20. There shall be no more hence an infant of days, nor an old man that has not filled his days. For the child shall die a hundred years old. So when you're talking about death here, it's talking about during the thousand years and also after the thousand years during the great right throne judgment. That's what it's got to be talking about because when a new heaven and new earth appear, there will be no more death. Verse 20. There shall be no more hence an infant of days, nor an old man that has not filled his days. For the child shall die one hundred years old, but the sinner being a hundred years old, shall be a curse. So obviously he's going to give people who are resurrected an opportunity to live a wholesome life to prove to Yah or God whether or not they um, will be allowed to live eternally as a spirit being. So that's 
that's what this verse indicates here. There shall be no more hence an infant of days, nor an old man that has not filled his days. For the child shall die a hundred years old, but the sinner, being a hundred years old, shall be accursed. Verse 21, And they shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. They shall not build or another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of the tree are the days of my people, it says, as the days of a tree are the days of my people, and my elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain. I already read that to you. So anyway, it appears that there's going to be a 100-year period that God is going to allow uh, people that are a part of the great white throne judgment and perhaps also people, uh, yeah, obviously in the millennium as well, and after the millennium, he's going to allow a 100 years uh, for people to prove to God that they believe him, uh, that uh, they uh, love him, and that they want to, that they are obedient. And that's what appears that from the scripture, he's going to give them a hundred years. Okay, uh, John three verse fourteen. Let's take a look at this scripture. John three verse fourteen. John three verse fourteen. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Verse 15, that whosoever believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now, here we go again. Let's, let's pay attention to verse 15. Let's pay attention to verse 15. That whosoever believes in him should not perish. That means if you don't believe in him, you will perish. Okay? So perish, in the Greek is apolumi, and it means to perish, destroy, to destroy fully, okay? So that's what's going to happen to anyone that does not believe in Yeshua Messiah. They will be destroyed fully. They will not live again. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life, which is the antithesis of that, the opposite. Verse 16, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish again. You have to believe in him not to perish, but have everlasting life. And I just read to you, there's going to be some people that don't believe in him, and according to the prophecy in Daniel, that will perish. Verse 17, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him through him might be saved. He, he, that's what the, God wants to save the entire planet, and he will. But unfortunately, it's going to be some people that will be destroyed. Verse 18. He that believes on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Again, if you don't believe in him, and if you don't prove it through righteous works, obeying the commandments, you will not be in the kingdom. And he's going to give you fairness. He's going to be fair about it. He's going to give you the ability to understand and obey his commandments, it's going to be up to you to obey those commandments. Each and every human being is going to be given a fair opportunity. Verse 19, and this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. Verse 20, for everyone that does evil hates the light. The light, in John chapter 1, is revealed to be the Messiah. Neither comes to the light that not his deeds should be reproved or exposed. Verse 21, but he that does truth, truth, Psalm 119, verse 142, is the teachings and doctrines of God, comes to the light that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are walked in God. Okay, so that's very important to understand. Now, 
Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, folks. Let's understand that. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of spirit beings, according to the Bible. Let's turn to Daniel chapter 7. Let's understand what the kingdom of God is uh, in the simplest of, of, of ways, I, I believe, based on the scriptures. Daniel chapter 7, starting in verse 23. Thus he said, The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, which shall be diverse from all other kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and shall thread it down and break it in pieces. Verse 24. And the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise, and another shall arise after them, and he shall be diverse from the first, and shall subdue three kings. Verse 25. And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws, and... They shall be given into his hand until a time and time and dividing a time. That's three and a half years or 42 months. But the judgment shall sit, as in verse 26, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and destroy until the end. Verse 27, and the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. All right, so the kingdom of God is going to be the government of God ruling the earth. That's what the kingdom of God is, folks, the entire earth, not just a part of the earth. Now, in John chapter 3, verse 3, John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I'm going to repeat this three times. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You can't see the world, the universe. If that's what the kingdom of God, it consists not only of the earth, but it consists of everything that God created. The, the, the kingdom means in the Greek the, the realm of God. The realm of God is the entire universe. Okay? And uh, verse 5 8. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water, that's in other words, baptism, you have to be immersed and repent. You have to go through that process. And of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So every man on the earth has to repent and change and prove to God that you want to obey him through, through what you do, obey him through what you do and by what you do. To enter the kingdom of God, be born in the water. That's that's a phraseology indicating that this is a process of repentance, and of the spirit he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Verse six. And hold your place here. Let me turn to Acts so you'll understand what you and, and everyone else is listening to me needs to do. Acts chapter three. Verse 19 says, Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. So you have to repent. And let me see what it says here. Okay, here we go. Acts 2, verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be immersed, every one of you. This is, this is what he means by being born of water. Repent and be immersed. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So that's what he's saying there. So getting back to John, chapter 3. Okay. 
And this repentance, this certainly applies to people uh, after the first century or when he was resurrected. It applies to people at that point on. We, we all have to be born of the water and repent to receive the Holy Spirit so that we can enter the kingdom of God. Verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Verse 7, marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind blows where it listens, and you hear the sound thereof, but cannot tell whether it cometh and whether it goeth. So is also everyone that is born of the spirit. And that's what he means by being born of the spirit. Let me uh, drink something. I'll be right back. Okay. So you should understand that you have to be born of the Spirit to enter the kingdom of God. Because flesh and blood does not inherit the kingdom of God. And I'm going to prove that to you here. And in verse 36, this is uh, Johanan, the immerser of John the Baptist, stating in John 3, verse 36, He that believes on the Son has eternal life or everlasting life. And he that believes not the Son shall not see life. So you're not going to see life, meaning that you will not exist. But the wrath of God abides on him. So you're not going to be alive because <laughs> you won't see life. All right, so let's understand that. Some people are, are confused by that, and I'm trying to unconfuse you the best I can. Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3, starting in um, verse 7. Then said he to the multitude that came forth to be immersed of him. And this is talking about John the Baptist. O generation of vipers who have warned you to flee from the wrath to come. And you can understand the kind of wrath he's talking about here. Verse 8. Bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance. Which is the gospel is all about repentance and changing. And begin not to say within yourselves. We have Abraham our father uh, as our father. For I say unto you that God is able to make of these stones and raise up children of Abraham. Verse 9, And now also the axe is laid into the root of the trees. The trees in this context are human beings. Every human being or tree, therefore, which brings not forth good fruit or behavior, is honed down and cast into the fire. Verse 10, And the people asked him, saying, What shall we do then? Because they didn't want to be tossed in the fire. Verse 11, He answered and said to them, He that has two coats, let him impart to him that has none. And he that has Meat or food, let him do likewise. So he wants us, just like the people in New York and New Jersey are learning now. They're learning to give. That's what you have to do. It's too bad they have to wait for a catastrophe to occur to realize there's people out there that need help. But that's the way we are. We, we, we wait for catastrophes to do what we should be doing anyway. Verse 12. Then came also publicans to be baptized. Or, or um, These are uh, tax uh, people that uh, a tax farmer or a collector of taxes. Uh, to be baptized or immersed, and said to the Master, what shall we do? And he said unto them, exact no more than what is appointed to you. In other words, don't don't overcharge. Verse 14, and the soldiers likewise demanded him, saying, and what shall we do? And he said to them, do violence to no man. And this is wicked violence, not righteous violence. Neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. This is very prophetic. And people need to take heed to what Johanan uh, the immersive state. Now remember the message in, in Malachi chapter 4, Malachi chapter 3, the, the Elijah to come in the future or the one that's in the spirit of empowered Elijah is going to be preaching the same message. He's going to be preaching the same message. So 
uh, whoever that person is. So anyway, um, First Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twenty see, uh people are confused again by Revelation twenty two verse fifteen, it says outside of the murderers and so forth. Uh Peter says here, uh, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither does corruption inherit incorruption. Uh murderers and adulterers and people that, that lie, that's a state of corruption. And Peter I mean Paul is saying here that corruption will not inherit incorruption, which is of course has everything to do with the kingdom of God. Verse 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we should all be changed. Verse 52, In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall all be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality, which means we don't have immortality yet. Verse 54, So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Okay. So where are we at now? Um, Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. There were present at the season some that told him of the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. In verse 2, And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans, because they suffered such things. I tell you, nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish, <laughs> be destroyed. Verse 4, uh, Or those eighteen upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwell in Jerusalem? I tell you, nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. So if we don't repent, folks, we're going to all perish. Okay? And that's the teaching, the clear teachings of the Bible, despite what some people think. Malachi chapter 4, verse 1. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yes, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble, indicating there's going to be some people that are going to be destroyed. And the day that comes shall burn them up, this is a prophecy, says the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness rise with healing in his wings, and you shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And you shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, says the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses, which is the law of God, my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb, for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. 5. Behold, I will send Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. He shall turn the heart of the children to their children. He shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers. That night I come and smite the earth with a curse. And remember, the new heaven and the new earth will not have any curse. Okay, Isaiah chapter 66. Isaiah chapter 66, Isaiah chapter 66, starting in verse 22. 
23, rather. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another shall all flesh come to worship before me, says the Lord. So all flesh is going to come to worship him. And this is going to happen to people who don't want to worship him and don't want to obey God. And, you know, true worship, pure religion, that's what religion means in the original Greek uh, in the King James Version, is taking care of, of the poor, the fathers and, 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 and the widows, and keeping yourself unspotted from the world. In other words, obeying the commandments to the best of your ability. That's what pure religion is. And those who don't want to worship God that way, this is what's going to happen to them and to me if I don't want to worship God the right way. And they shall go forth and look upon the carcasses of the men that have transgressed against me, for their worm shall not die. It doesn't mean them, but the worms that's going to be eating their bodies going to be so many bodies, it looks like, that uh, you're going to see the worms there if you're still alive during the millennium at this time or during the great white throne judgment. Neither shall their fire be quenched, and they shall be an abhorring unto all flesh. Okay, so... That's what the Bible's indicating, folks. And then Revelation chapter 20, starting in verse 14. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And so whoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So death will no longer exist when a new heavens and a new earth appear, folks. Revelation chapter 21, verse 4 to 5. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, no crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he sat, and he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Right, for these words are true and faithful. Okay? And then verse 8, verse 8. But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers, who are murderers? People who kill, uh, or kill people, right? People who murder other people or cause people to die. And whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So no murderers, none of these people here will be in the kingdom of God, folks. And there's another scripture, too, if I can find it, that tells you that, I think pretty clearly, let's see, that these people, these type of people will not be in the kingdom of God. Yeah, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So there's, this, this is what, this is scripture here. No, not, what are unrighteous? Unrighteous people are people who don't obey the commandments shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate gay folks, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. This is if gay folks don't repent. Verse 10, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor uh, revelers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. None of these people will inherit the kingdom of God. That's what your Bible says. In other words, you won't be allowed to be a, a spirit being in corruption and <laughs> sin. Uh, Revelation 22, verse 3. And there shall be no more curse, so there will not be any curse. And when you sin is a curse. But the throne of God and the Lamb of God shall be in it, and the servants shall serve him. Okay. And then verse 5. And there shall be no night there, and they, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun. 
for the Lord God give them light, and they sh- shall reign forever and ever. So there will not even darkness will no longer exist in the new heavens and the new earth. Okay, James one verse five. Uh, almost done here. James one verse five. This is a very important Bible study, and I hope it goes viral, and I hope that people uh, have other people listen to this Bible study because I want people to understand that God is fair. And he's only going to judge you based on what you know, not what you don't know. And if he's blessing you to listen to this, then he's expecting you to obey his commandments. And you're going to be held accountable to what you've heard today. James 1, verse 15. Then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. So whenever you sin, the ultimate thing that will happen to you is death. And that's what's happening to the devil. He's going to die eventually. He's going to be destroyed. And and anyone that is... um, has sin will eventually be destroyed, according to what the Bible says. Matthew chapter 8, Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 12. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, I want you to pay attention to the outer darkness and the weeping and gnashing of teeth. So it's going to help you understand Revelation 22, verse 15. Okay, um, Matthew chapter 28, verse 13. Oops, I think it's uh, Matthew chapter uh, 25, verse 30. Matthew 25, verse 30. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, so the, the weeping and gnashing of teeth... Um, Again, I want you to focus on the weeping and gnashing of teeth and the outer darkness, okay? And um, let's turn to another scripture here. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. And this is a significant scripture here because it proves that God is able to destroy you totally. And, And this is an example of perishing. Matthew 10, verse 28. And fear not them which kill the body, but but are not able to kill the soul or your life, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell, okay, uh, in Gehenna, the lake of fire. All right, so that that's a significant scripture for you to understand there. All right, um, now, Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, verse 37. He answered and said unto them, He that sows the good seed is the Son of Man. Verse 38 of Matthew chapter 13. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares are the children of the wicked. And I just explained to you who the children of the wicked are. The people that don't, after they revealed the truth of God, they don't want to listen. They don't want to obey. Those are the children of the devil, according to the scriptures. Verse 39 of Matthew chapter 13. The enemy that sold them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. Verse 40. As therefore the tares are gathered and burnt in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. Verse 41. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them that which do iniquity or sin. Okay? He's going to get rid of sin, folks. 
And that's what iniquity means. It means sin, to do wrong. Verse 42, and shall cast him into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Verse 43, then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun, because they're going to be spirit beings, and the kingdom of their father. And I understand why he put this here. <laughs> Who have ears to hear or to understand, let him hear. Okay, so he wants you to understand what he's saying here, folks. And you, what people that are struggling with Revelation chapter 22, verse 15, need to understand is this. In, in verse 42 of Matthew chapter 13, And shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. And so whenever you see wailing and gnashing of teeth, it's associated with the furnace of fire or the lake of fire. That's what your scriptures reveal. Um, Psalm chapter 21. And remember that he's going to... Uh, Get rid of everything that does that causes iniquity or sins or offense. So that will not exist in the new heavens and the new earth, folks. So let's understand that. Uh, Psalm chapter 21. Psalm chapter 21. Psalm chapter 21. Starting in verse 8. Thy hand shall find out all thy enemies. Thy right hand shall find out those that hate thee. Thou shalt make them as a fiery oven in the time of thine anger. The Lord shall swallow them up in his wrath, and the fire shall devour them. Totally devour them, burn them up, consume them. Their fruit shall thou destroy from the earth, and their seed from among the children of men. No wicked person will exist in the new heavens and the new earth, folks. And during the millennium, it's going to, people that continue to sin, they will be executed. They will be destroyed. So it's going to start when he lands his feet on the Mount of Olives. Uh, Psalm 112, verse 10. The wicked shall see it and be grieved. He shall, okay, in verse 9. Let me start in Revelation 12, verse 9. I'm sorry. Psalm 112, verse 9. Psalm 112, verse 9. He has dispersed, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endure forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. It's talking about the righteous person now. Here's the opposite, the wicked. Verse 10, the wicked shall see it and be greed. He shall gnash with his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. Okay, so uh, the wicked will be totally destroyed despite what people are teaching. Uh, Psalm 37, Psalm 37, verse 20. But the wicked shall perish. The wicked shall perish. This Greek word, abad, it means perish. To perish. To not even exist anymore. And the enemies of the Lord shall be as the fat of lamb they shall consume, and to smoke they shall consume away. So, that, again, folks, the Bible does not teach that people will be allowed to exist eternally in corruption. It does not teach that, and people that are teaching that, they are teaching something that is not true, and they need to repent of that, because that's not true. It's not true. So, you know, it's, it's, it's something that... Uh, and then right here, Obadiah is an interesting scripture here. Obadiah is another prophet that you may not have heard of before. 
Obadiah 1, verse 16. For as you have drunk upon my holy mountain, so shall all the heathen, these are people that don't obey God and don't want to obey God, drink continually. Yes, they shall drink and they shall swallow down and they shall be as though they had not been. Okay, that that's another scripture indicating that he's going to destroy the wicked. <laughs> sorry, sorry about that. <laughs> he's going to destroy the wicked, ladies and gentlemen. And they're going to be as though they had not been. That's in Obadiah 1, verse 16. Jude 1. Almost done here, folks. I uh, didn't expect this Bible study to be this lengthy, but, hey, I love all of you so much that I'm willing to sacrifice. Jude, chapter 1, verse 7. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, which is angelic flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. And remember, Yeshua, as I stated earlier in this Bible study, that he likens our generation to Sodom and Gomorrah, the days of Lot. Verse 8, Likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignitaries. Yet Michael, the archangel, when... Contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, did not bring against a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuked thee. So even Michael the archangel respects the devil's position. Verse 10, But these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally as brute beasts, and those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. We just got through talking about Cain as far as defining who a son of the devil is and ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward, and perished in the gainsaying of Kor. These are spots in your feasts of charity, when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are, without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit there without fruit twice dead. Again, we talked about the trees in Luke chapter 3. The trees are human beings whose fruit means their behavior withereth, without fruit twice dead, plucked up by the roots. This means that they will not live again. Twice dead is the second death. Verse 13, raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Before I was born, it was dark. I didn't know anything. And that's what it's talking about here. In verse 14, and Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints. I just read that to you in Revelation chapter 20, verse 4, to execute judgment upon all. And to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against them. Verse 16, these are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts, and their mouths speaking great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. Verse 17, but, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so uh, this is important to understand here uh, in, in reference to what the darkness is representing. It's representing being twice dead. Twice dead is the second death, folks. That's what that's referring to. Second uh, Peter chapter 2. Second Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 2. But there were false prophets. Also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who preferably shall bring in damnable heresies, 
even denying the Lord that brought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. So if you want to preach falsely, you're going to bring swift destruction to yourself. Verse 2, and many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be shall be evil spoken. Let me read this in a clearer version here. Uh, complete Jewish Bible version. Second Peter 2, verse 1. But among the people there were also false prophets, just as there will be false teachers among you under false pretenses. They will introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, and thus bringing on themselves swift destruction. These are people who know better. Verse 2, many will follow their debaucheries, and because of them, the true way will be maligned. Verse 3, in their greed, they will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their punishment, decreed long ago, is not idle. Their destruction is not asleep. Verse 4, for God did not spare the angels who sinned. On the contrary, he put them in gloomy dungeons, lowered in uh, Sheol, which is a realm of the dead, to be held for judgment. And he did not spare the ancient world, but on, contrary, on the contrary, he preserved Noah, a herald of right or a preacher of righteousness, with seven others, and brought the flood upon a world of ungodly people. And he condemned the cities of Sodom and Amor, or Gomorrah, reducing them to ashes and ruin as a warning to those in the future who would live ungodly lives. And notice that he talks about Noah in a time of great wickedness. He was a lone voice, one of the few voices to preach around the world. And Lot, he was the only righteous man, really, in Sodom and Gomorrah. In both cases, there was really only one person preaching the truth um, at this particular period of time, which indicates that in these end times there's going to be very few people that are preaching the truth before the great tribulation. And then you have the two witnesses and you have people finally repenting in the end as revealed in Revelation chapter 7. So I just wanted to make that point. It's not too many people in the world that are speaking the true words of God at this time based on the scripture. Second uh, Peter 2, verse 7, But he also rescued Lot, a righteous man, who was distressed by the debauchery of those unprincipled people, for the wicked deeds which... Uh, let me read this in another basic... Okay, Revelation 2, verse 5. I'm, I'm sorry. Second Peter 2, verse 5. Second Peter 2, verse 5 in, a, in, a, in the um, Bible and basic... This is the Bible and basic English version. Second Peter 2, verse 5, And he did not have mercy on the world which then was, but only kept safe Noah, a preacher of righteousness with seven others when he let loose the waters over the world of evildoers. Verse 6, and sent destruction on Sodom and Gomorrah, burning them up with fire as an example to those whose way of life might in the future be unpleasing to him. So that, that's an example of the destruction of people in Sodom and Gomorrah. It's an example of what's going to happen in the end time. Verse 7, and kept safe Lot, the upright man who was deeply troubled by the unclean life of the evildoers. Verse 8, because the soul of that upright man living among them was pained from day to day by seeing and hearing their crimes. Verse 9, the Lord is able to keep the upright safe in the time of testing and to keep evildoers under punishment to the day of judging. Verse 10, but especially those who go after the unclean desires of the flesh and make sport of authority, ready to take change chances uncontrolled. They have no fear of saying evil of those in high places. Though the angels who are greater in strength and power do not make use of violent language against them before the Lord. But these men, Second Peter 2, verse 12, like beasts without reason whose natural use is to be taken and put to death, crying out against things of which they have no knowledge, will undergo the same destruction which they are designing for others. Verse 13, for the evil which overtakes them is the reward of their evil doing. For men, such men take their pleasure in the delights of the flesh, even in the daytime they are like the marks of a disease, like poison wounds among you, feasting together with you in joy. 
Verse 14, having eyes full of evil desire, never having enough of sin. Turning feeble souls out of the true way, they are children of cursing, whose hearts are well used to bitter envy. Verse 15, turning out of the true way, they have gone wandering in error after the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who was pleased to take payment for wrongdoing. Verse 16, but his wrongdoing was pointed out to him, and as, talking with a man's voice, put a stop to the error of the prophet. Verse 17, these are fountains without water and mist before a driving storm from whom the eternal night is kept in store. Verse 18, for with high-sounding false words making use of the attraction of unclean desires, of the flesh, they get into their power these newly made free from those who are living in error. Saying that they will be free while they themselves are the servants of destruction because whatever gets the better of a man makes a servant of him. Verse 20, for if after they have got free from the unclean things of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again taken in the net and overcome, their last condition is worse than the first. Verse 21, for it would have been better for them to have no knowledge of the way of righteousness than to go back from the holy law which was given to them after knowledge of it. Verse 22, they are an example that true saying the dog has gone back to the food that is put on and the pig which has been washed is rolling in the dirty earth. Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, almost done here, folks. Almost done. Um, let me take a look here. How much time I have left here. Okay, I'm still in a recording here, and it's still recording. So, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 26. Hebrews 10, verse 26. For if we do evil on purpose after we have had the knowledge of what is true, there is no more offering for sin. So doing evil on purpose. Verse 27. This is in the, the basic Bible English version. But only a great fear of being judged and of the fire of wrath which will be the, the destruction of the haters of God. Verse 28, a man who has gone against the law of Moses, which is the law of God, is to be put to death without pity on the word of two or three witnesses. Verse 29, but will not the man by whom the Son of God has been crushed underfoot and the blood of the agreement with which he was washed clean has been taken as an unholy thing and who has had no respect for the Spirit of grace be judged bad enough for a very much worse punishment? So you're going to be judged worse than the, the law of Moses, which is the law of God, if you deny Yeshua. That's what it's saying here. Verse 30, For we have had experience of him who says, Punishment is mine, I will give reward. And again, the Lord will be judge of his people. We may well go in fear falling into the hands of the living God. Okay, so folks, we got to take this serious here. Revelation chapter 22, starting in verse 14. Now you should hopefully understand this verse here. Um, in Revelation chapter 22, verse 15. Now, this, in verse 14, Blessed are they that do his commandments, as in the King James Version, that they may have the right to the tree of life, which is a symbolic of immortality, and may enter in through the gates into the city. Verse 15. For without are dogs and sorcerers and homemongers and murderers, a murderer, cannot exist in a new heaven and new earth because God said that there would be no more death. And that's what murderers do. They kill people. They murder people. So God is not a liar. So obviously it's not saying that God is going to allow murderers to be in a new heaven and new earth because if he did, then he would be a liar, right? Because he said that there would not be any death in the new heavens and the new earth. So let's use our brains and let's use our common sense that he's given us. So anyway, in the King James Version, it says for without. I thought the King James Version said outside. No, it says for without. 
are dogs and sorcerers and homongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever love of the make of a lie. So it says without. In other words, they're not going to be a part of uh, the kingdom of God and they will not have the right to the tree of life and they will not enter into the gates into the city. And so they're going to be for without. They're not going to have that. Okay, they're going to be away from that. Uh, I think outside, matter of fact, I know outside is a poor translation of that. So anyway, that's what that says there. So um, remember, murderers will have no part in the kingdom of God. Revelation 21, verse 3 to 4. It says uh, in verse 4 of Revelation chapter 21, God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death. So there can't be any murderers, because that's what murderers do. They cause death. Neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things have passed away. Okay? So let's understand that. First John chapter 2, that's just saying that you have two dichotomies. Either you obey or you won't be a part of this. You'll be dead. Revelation chapter, um, no, I'm sorry, First John chapter 2, starting in verse 1. My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the covering or propitiation for our sins, and not for, our, for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that says, I know him, and keep not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Verse 5, But whosoever keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that says he abides in him ought himself ought to walk, also to walk, even as he walked. Okay, so that is a key scripture there. You must do what he did, and he kept his father's commandments, as John 15, verse 10 reveals. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, starting in verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. And keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of just a Jew? No, man. Verse 14. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. That's the reason why we better start to learn how to obey. Especially when you have a servant of God speaking to you about obeying the commandments. James chapter 2, starting in verse 12. So speak ye and do so as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. We're all going to be judged by the law of Moses, which is the law of liberty. And keep in mind this following scripture, verse 13, For he shall have judgment without mercy that have showed no mercy. And mercy rejoiceth against judgment. So I'm going to repeat this scripture in an easier version for you to understand, because people just don't understand God when it comes to judgment. James 2, verse 13. For the man who has had no mercy will be judged without mercy. Okay? So you must show mercy to be judged with mercy, folks. For he shall have judgment without mercy that has showed no mercy. What is mercy? Mercy is having compassion toward your fellow human being. This is what people in New York and New Jersey are learning to do. Obviously, there are some people that already know how to do that, but there's other people, I'm sure, that don't know how to do that. They're learning how to have mercy. And remember now, God is not going to judge you with mercy unless you learn how to have mercy. And that's why we keep the commandments of God. The commandments really is a summation of loving your neighbor as you love yourself, folks. So 
Galatians 5 verse 14 For all the law is fulfilled in one word Even in this thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself Keeping the Shabbat, keeping the holy days Keeping all the rest of the commandments that you can keep Helps you to learn how to love your neighbor as yourself Well I hope you understand now That God is not going to uh, Allow aborted babies to be thrown in the lake of fire He's not going to be allowing people that did not know what sin was and did not know how to to be righteous to be thrown in the lake of fire. He's going to give every human being an opportunity to uh, show him that they have a desire to choose life. He's going to give every human being an opportunity. Uh, according to Isaiah chapter 65, verse 17 to 25, he's going to give every human being 100 years, those in the millennium and perhaps those after the millennium. It doesn't say for sure, but uh, that's a good assumption that uh, if it's that way for those in the